Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you. Unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega. 
Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Rory Sodder Show. I'm your host, Rory Sodder. Great to be back with you. Happy Tuesday. We had a great show last night. We had um, we had a great show. A lot of great guests on last night. It was awesome. Got addressed a lot of important topics. Um, we talked about a bunch of different things. It was a, it was a fantastic show, and uh, so much going on. Um, we have a huge show tonight. We're very excited about a special guest, uh, entrepreneur, woman's coach, Grammy Award nominee. International award-winning music artist, author, and speaker Deborah Johnson will be joining us uh, short in about a half in about 20, 25 minutes or so. She'll be calling in. We're very excited to be talking to her. Uh, she's had a novel of a background, a resume, so uh, it's um, it's going to be quite. Uh, we're going to get a lot of insight from her, and uh, we're very excited to hear about all her you know life experiences and, and adventures and. You know, it is all that stuff. It's so, so much fun. Um, we have Mike Zolo calling in, as always, my co-host. Well, I believe we have James on the line right now. What's going on, buddy? Hey, thanks for having me on tonight, Rory. Yeah, absolutely, man. No problem. James from Seattle, everybody. Um, and we, we will, um, you know, there's so much going on right now, guys. You know, with Trump met with um, French President um, Macron today, and you know there's a there's a big bromance going on right there. I mean these guys love each other. They can't keep their hands off of each other. I think I think it's awesome. And as and everybody you know saw, um, I'll update the clip in a second. But the liberal media absolutely went nuts uh, that they were getting so close, and uh, you know like being such good friends, like the liberal media is shocked that Trump uh, is so likable, you know, especially by a guy that, you know, doesn't, is totally has the opposite ideology uh, of what he has. Um, you know, it, it, it was, uh, it was pretty interesting to say the least, um, but bear with me guys. I want to, I want to upload this clip um, from today and the, the, the liberal media absolutely going overboard, like literally, Oh, my God, this is nuts. Um, real quick, James, um, what's on your mind, buddy? What's going on? Well, you know, I saw, I saw the interview today, too, with uh, Emmanuel Macron and Donald Trump. And I think one yeah. of the reasons why they get along so well is they're both non-traditional candidates. They're kind of outsiders. Yeah. In. And, uh, and also, I think, you know, issues over immigration, uh, which is a, a big concern in France right now, too. Emmanuel Macron is no dummy. You know, he's a very realist. He's pragmatic. He's a smart dude. He's a smart guy. He he has one of the best education resumes, um, you know, out of out of any. I mean, he's very smart. Very. You know, he he may he may be idiotic on some of his policies, in our opinion, but he's a very smart guy. You can just tell. I mean, and just his background. Yeah. So do you do you think that uh? Regarding the Iran deal, do you think that uh, he'll have any sway over Trump, or do you think he's going to go home empty-handed? Well, here, I want to play this clip for you, and then I will get to that, because that's a big topic tonight as well. Um, We need to talk about that, because that was all over the news today. Um, You know, Trump's 
uh, he does not want the Iran deal. He's made that very clear that, uh, you know, he's, it's a bad deal. Um, and I will update that clip as well in a second. Uh, but here, I want to play this McCroon and uh, Trump clip today, which the liberal media lost their mind. You guys are going to laugh your ass off at, this, at how serious CNN gets. I mean, CNN is always overboard, but just listen to this. <laughs> These two just can't quit each other when it comes to public displays of affection. Thank you. Thank you. I like him a lot. Get a room. Actually, they did. The Oval Office. Thank you and your special friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. President Trump and President Macron didn't just shake hands. They had to add a pat or a hand on the back, taking turns, even a hand on the chest. They stared into each other's eyes and muttered sweet nothing. No, thanks to you. Using first names, my dear Donald. Monsieur le Président, cher Donald. Emmanuel and myself. Dialogue out of a bromance novel. I hope you feel the same way. Definitely. The French president even tweeted their class pants. Brace yourself, bet you've never seen this before. One world leader grooming the other. But we do have a very special relationship. In fact, I'll get that little piece of dandruff for It'll be... We have to make them perfect. One French newspaper called the gesture disturbing. We noticed Macron later examining the spot President Trump flipped. The first lady was less accessible. Her hat made attempts to air kiss even a wider miss than usual. Tweeted one critic, that hat is called the Trump repellent hat. As they posed for pictures, the president and Melania seemed to play footsie with their fingers, which The Daily Show put to music. But the presidents couldn't keep their hands apart. Thank you. All the hugging left them so slap happy. It's an honor to call you my friend. That President Trump missed a slap. The French disconnection, rare for these two. The most trusted news network out on the on television. <laughs> They're a joke. What a joke. That that was absolutely Mike Zolo, you're just joining us, aren't you, buddy? My co host, how you doing, buddy? New Jersey, New Jersey Zolo. What's going on? What's up, brother? How are you, man? Good, brother. Good to have you on. And uh, my buddy, uh, G- my co-host Gianni from New York has just joined us. Am I correct? Yeah, you're correct. Okay, what's going on? Good to have you here. Hey, guys, make sure there's no noise in the background on your phone. Yeah, it's not me. I hear a lot of noise, though. Yeah, I make hear sure. Too. Just be careful with it because it, it messes up the show. Um. But uh, here, here's what um, I want to talk about. I just played a tape, and I'm sure you listened, Mike Zolo. Your response, um, you know, it's the, the liberal media has lost their mind. It's, you see the way they talk, and that old lady in such a mean voice, you, you hear her? I mean, just so angry. Um, the, the liberal media is... Honestly, it's they're disgusting. Everything Trump does, every meeting he has, every gathering he does, every dinner, 
they have to they have to pick out one thing and they have to blow it up. I mean, did you hear? Oh, they stared into each other's eyes. Oh, I'm sorry that we actually have a pre- a president who knows how to have a good relationship with other countries, unlike Barack Obama, who bowed down to every single country and didn't and didn't let them know that America's the boss. Look, Trump knows how to deal with these people. Macron, the guy from France, he's not like a you know a right wing guy, but Trump knows that. But he knows how to have a decent relationship with people who aren't you know as as politically you know on the same level as he is. But this is this is what a businessman does. He knows what to do. And that and that's left- what I've mentioned on my show. Mike Zola, you're absolutely right. And I've said on my show so many times, and I've said it from the get-go, from the beginning, that Donald Trump, the reason he's so – one of the main reasons he's so successful is because he has a way with people. He has, he has this, like, profound way of gathering people together, and people, people love the guy. People are, are mesmerized by him because he, he knows how to deal with people, and, and he's – I mean, he's proven it in all these years. But, but, and, that's, and that's what I'm saying. The media, they can't stand that. The media can't stand Donald Trump. They hate him, okay? So when they see him, you know, having a yep. good – when they see the, the president of France, who's, you know, pretty much a liberal guy like they are, getting along with a person they hate, meaning Donald Trump, that gets under their skin. So what do they have to do to respond? They have to make fun of it. They have to make fun of the handshake. Yep. Remember they made fun yep. of the handshake when, when Trump shook the, the prime minister hands of Japan? It was like a 25-second yeah. handshake, and CNN mocked them for it. It's because yeah, they're not, and it's because, yeah, go ahead. It's all Hollywood BS. We have TMZ making videos about it, trying to get people's attention, just trying to. It's all the liberal, uh, it's petty. It, it, it's very petty is what it is. And it's just ridiculous. And, like, and people are starting to get it. Like, TMZ, do you have anything else to report? CNN, do you have anything else to report? <laughs> I mean, well, you know, it's also thing, hypocritical. Because what they're insinuating well, go ahead, James. is that gay. You know, it's hypocritical because what they're insinuating is that they're insinuating a male-on-male relationship. And then they're gonna call. And they're gonna call out Trump in two weeks for being a homophobic, for being a you know. And so it's like, look, look at their coverage of him. Like that that two minute clip you just showed us was insinuating a gay relationship between the president and Emmanuel Macron, which is totally inappropriate. It was completely inappropriate. And uh, it, you know, this is actually it's gonna help Trump's base because of the, the dishonest coverage and uh, the insinuation. I don't even think, you know, I, you know, obviously I'm part of Trump's base, of course. I don't even care anymore. Uh, the media is so irrelevant. You know what I mean? That, like, yeah, I don't even, like, I, I'm just talking about it because it's funny. They can't stand yeah. to see a guy they hate, Donald Trump, getting along with oh other world yeah. leaders. They can't, they can't deal with it, so they have to mock them. Yeah. And in doing that, they're mocking Macron, too who is politically on the same side as them. Macron's not this, like, conservative guy. He's a, he's a globalist. But Trump knows how no. to deal with people. He knows how to get shit done. Oh, yeah, 100%. I want to play this tape real quick because I wanted 
to, you know, James, you asked about the Iran nu- nuclear deal earlier, and I was, this was one of the main things I was going to talk about tonight. I want to, I want to play a clip of Trump's response to the nuclear deal uh, earlier today. They asked him about it, and this was his response. Uh, one five. Well, we'll be talking about Iran, and we'll be talking about many things, uh, terrorism generally, but we will be discussing the Iran deal. I know the president wants to speak to me about that. We'll be discussing uh, probably the Paris Accord uh, and uh, various other things. So uh, we're going to have uh, we have not much time to do a lot of discussing, but a lot of things will work out. We we have got a very special relationship. I don't imagine it's ever been closer in the history of our two countries, and that's a long and beautiful oh, history. Wow. So uh, we will be talking about a lot of different subjects, but the Iran deal will Big be one league. of them. Are you willing to consider staying in the Iran deal? But we're going to be talking about it. We'll see. I mean, uh, people know my views on the Iran deal. It was a terrible deal. It should have never, ever been made. We could have made a good deal or a reasonable deal. The Iran deal is a terrible deal. We paid $150 billion. We gave $1.8 billion in cash. That's actual cash, uh, barrels of cash. It's insane. It's ridiculous. It should have never been made. But we will be talking about it. You know what? Obama is an absolute, Barack Hussein Osama is an absolute disgrace, and he will go down as the worst president in the history of politics. What kind of idea, the deal is the, I mean, I've really studied thoroughly, um, um, I've really studied thoroughly this Iran deal, and especially when Obama signed it. I I, I was I hated Obama from the get go because he was a disaster from day one. Um, but this Iran nuke deal took him to a whole nother level of evilness. I mean, this gave them weapons and massive amounts of money. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And guess what? We got nothing in return. I mean, what? what, but, what, what? but you know, you know who did? You know who did fill their pockets though was who Barack Hussein Osama and his family and Joe Pedophile Biden filled his pockets definitely with uh, uh, money, and I'm sure a lot of the people in the Obama administration uh, got money from it. But you know what? What did America get? Nothing. But not only that. Not only that. Not only was the Iran deal a disaster, okay? Anybody who is advocating for Obama Kerry's Iran deal is out of their mind. It's the worst Osama, deal Osama, remember that. Say that. <laughs> yes. Okay, gotcha. But people have to realize Obama, o- Osama went even further than <laughs> that, okay? Think of yes. this. Think of this. During and he lied. And he, do you remember when he lied to everybody and said he was a Christian, but then he was caught in an interview saying his Muslim faith? I mean, the guy's a, oh, yeah. he's a con. He's a con. Yeah, absolutely. Well, when he was negotiating the Iran deal, okay, yeah. Iran backed the terrorist group Hamas, okay? The FBI yeah. was investigating Hamas for smuggling cocaine into the U.S., <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Obama yep. actually had that investigation derailed and shut down just so he can just so he can um so he can get the Iran deal Iran on board with the Iran deal. Think of that. This guy is the most corrupt anti American president in history. He is an evil man and um 
thank God he's nowhere near the White House because what he did is truly, truly psychotic. Uh, and it was only out for his own pocket. Of course. Yeah, I think my biggest fear. Sorry. Go ahead, James. Uh, my biggest fear regarding the Iran deal is a nuclear arms race in the Middle East and also the protection of Israel. I mean, you know, Israel is our main ally. Uh, Iran is a sworn enemy against Israel. And uh, a nuclear Iran, you know, that could have global consequences. It would have global consequences. And, this, and, and part of that is a nuclear arms race where Saudi Arabia wants their, will have to want their own nuclear weapon. Jordan will want their own nuclear weapon. And soon you're going to have four Middle Eastern countries with nuclear weapons. And this, this is a place that's historically been a battleground. Uh, and... Uh, yeah, you know, he had a great point today also. It's like, how can, how can uh, the Obama administration give Iran all this money but not repair our infrastructure? I mean, we get nothing. You know we, I mean? we didn't get a, a joke. Nothing. Well, well, just remember this um, Iran chants death to America, burns the American yep, burns flag, our flag, calls the Israelis descendants of apes and pigs says Israel needs to be blown Jesus. off the face of the earth along with America and Barack Obama I don't care if it was 1.7 billion for the hosti- for our sailors and 150 billion for the Iran deal to give these terrorists these Islamic terrorists one penny he should have been impeached right then and there he was so goddamn protected I've never seen a president more protected and covered up in my whole life it's ridiculous it's the biggest oh, scandal in, in, in American pocket. politics. He had the and we have to remember that uh, the guys that were actually killing us in Iraq were the Iranians, and Shiite rebels backed by Iran. They're the guys that cause us the most damage. And General Mattis remembers this. And don't kid yourself. General Mattis remembers his troops dying in Iraq at the hands of Iran. And he, you know what? He's going to be the toughest guy on Iran we have. It's General Mattis yep. right there, you know? Yep, Mad, Mad Dog Mattis, baby. Mad Dog Mattis. I love it. No, I but really, I'm, you guys got to hear. Go ahead. I'm, I'm just saying, man, I'm serious. To give that country that openly hates us and our number one ally wants to kill yeah. us and, and burns our flag, to give them a penny should be an impeachable yeah. offense. And we know, no, why are we yeah, even at the yeah. negotiation table? You know what I mean? Well, what the fuck yeah. are we negotiating? You know, I I don't get the I don't get the approach. Right, yeah. right. And now Trump has to clean it all up, of course. Now Trump has. And to now I ra- go ahead. You know, Sorry, I, I, was just you know I don't support a lot of uh, you know preemptive war, but Iran Iran is maybe an exception for me because if Iran gets nuclear capabilities, which they have attempted, it really does. It changes the dynamics in the region. Like a nuclearized Iran is a global threat. Who knows? You know, they could strike Europe. They could strike us. They could strike Israel. Here, here's the thing. Option. And, and James, James, you're making a point because, <clears throat> and I don't, I don't buy Iran's threats necessarily. I think they're a bunch of, I, th- I think they're full of shit on, on most of the stuff they say, but they made a statement today saying if Trump backs out of the Iran nuke deal, there will be major consequences to the USA. So you know what? Bring it, motherfucker. I, yeah, let's go. Let's go. Let's go then. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, the adrenaline. But I want to play this clip. And this, this cop in Florida is cracking down on all these school threats. You've got to hear this clip. This is awesome. And this is how every cop should be dealing with these school shootings and the, the epidemic that's going on with the mental health problem. It, we don't have a gun problem. It's a mental health problem. But listen to this clip. Uh, 1-8. More than two months after the deadly shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School, Volusia County Sheriff Mike Chitwood says he's had enough, arresting close to 30 students since the massacre for making false reports and threats about shootings and other acts of violence. The youngest defendant is 11 years old. It's not my job to raise your kids, but if you want me to do it, I can tell you that I'm going to do it with a pair of handcuffs. Sheriff Chitwood says his office receives up to 90 reports of threats on any given day, due to increased wow. awareness by students to report suspicious behavior. And because of the drain on his office's time and resources, he's holding the students' families responsible for the more than $1,000 it costs to investigate each false threat. Within one month of the Parkland shooting, almost 1,500 threats were reported by students in schools across the country, and almost half of those were made over social media. But experts say those numbers could be higher. It is underreported because a lot of schools do not want to be painted in a bad light. So they'll, they'll try to handle these threats internally, and I believe that's a big mistake. Yep. Charges range from misdemeanors to felonies, with some minors even being treated as adults under the law for their actions. Consequences the veteran Philadelphia police lieutenant says he decided on with the state attorney's office as part of a zero-tolerance policy. The sheriff is also receiving support from an unexpected group, some parents of students arrested under his plan including this mother who did not want to be identified on camera, whose daughter spent 21 days in a juvenile detention center, followed by two weeks of house arrest with a GPS ankle monitor for threatening to shoot school staff members. I strongly agree with the measures that are um, being taken. I hate that it was my child, but she had some thinking time, and I don't think that she would make that decision again. Chitwood says he begs parents to stress to their children just how seriously their words are now being taken, both in and out of the classroom. I would like to see those kids get sentenced to spend a week with the families of the victims from Parkland and see the devastation that was caused to their life and see how funny it is when they come back. In Deltona, Florida, Ali Rafa, Fox News. I'm speechless, man, speechless. It's an epidemic. It's an epidemic. What do you guys think? Um, I think Solo, it's go terrific. Ahead. Oh, Gianni, go ahead. Yeah, I was saying, I think it's terrific, honestly. I think that's what needs to happen. I mean, it's like... Because just like the attack on our uh, uh, police officers now is crazy. I mean, I just seen before I called, uh, I was on Facebook and I seen, you know, this new situation um, at this yeah. restaurant where they're blaming a cop for, you know, throwing this black girl on the ground, which she was resisting arrest. It's like, dude, exactly. we can't. Exactly. And I'm like, dude, if you're resisting arrest, the cop. Not, they should have a zero tolerance policy because you see what's going on. Every time a shooter is known to go and shoot, the FBI is not doing their job. 
The local police or sheriff is not doing their job. So I honestly believe that it's time for, you know, the police officers and law enforcement and everything to get together and actually come up with, like they said, a zero tolerance policy. And it's time, not, it's not the time to be soft. You have to be strong now. Beyond strong. I mean, strong is an understatement. I think it's well, time quick, for the police to actually go ahead, go harder. Bolo. I think yeah, it's absolutely. Time for the I want to actually go harder and tougher. Yes, I want to welcome. I want to welcome our special guest, uh, entrepreneur, women's coach, Grammy Award nominee, international award-winning music artist, author, and speaker, Deborah Johnson. How are you, Deborah? Thank you for calling into the Rory Cotter Show. We're all very happy to have you on the line. How are you? Well, thank you very much. I am doing great tonight, and it sounds like you're doing good, you're nice and clear, coming through. So, <laughs> yes, good. we're doing we're doing very well. Uh, have you been listening? I'm sure you've been following along. Just a, yeah, just a little bit. I have. I just called in. So, okay, yeah, we were just we were just talking about you know. The the epidemic with these school shootings. I mean, it, it, it we we just played a tape of uh, of a um, a sheriff in Florida that received like ninety threats in his department a day from different like students, and there was somebody uh, charged as young as eleven years old. Uh, wow! And, and threats and and making all these. I mean, the video was absolutely. Uh, horrific. I mean, it's it's going around. All these kids are watching these movies or seeing these different graphics. I don't know where they're getting these ideas to go shoot up schools or making these threats, but it is constant. Mm. Yeah, I would not want to be in law enforcement right now. That'd be a very very tough job. And um, and also, you know, part of the problem here is you know, our home life happening and parents yeah. and a lot of them very busy and not able to guide these kids. And, you know, you've got to watch what your kids watch. So, oh, absolutely. Yeah. What, 100%. Um, right. And so, you know, you get, um, and I mean, it's very difficult. You have a lot of hardship and of course parents are not around as much, but, uh, that's a that's a real problem, and kids facing a lot of mental illness, and they um, they tend to act out what they see or what they feel inside that may not be totally. Um, it's just a false pretense of freedom. So. Yes, absolutely, one one hundred percent. I want to, I want, I really, you know, you calling in is about you. I want you to, you know, tell everybody, you know, everything, you know, your bio, how it all started, you know, everything, your, your accomplishments, your achievements, your, your life story from, from scratch. We'd love to hear it. <laughs> well, do we have all day? <laughs> no. We have all day. We have a two-hour show. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Show. Oh, wow. Well, um, well, I grew up, as we were just uh, talking about, um, you know, families, I, you know, I won the lottery with the parents that I have, and uh, I do have a, a big musical background, um, as yes. you know, being up for Grammys and all that sort of thing. But um, my grandmother yes. was an immigrant from Engl- from uh, Italy, 
and she played Carnegie Hall when she was 16, mandolin and violin, and graduated from New York Conservatory of Music, which was huge at that time uh, for a woman to be able to graduate from there. And so that's kind of my musical heritage. Of course, she went into an arranged marriage, had a dozen kids, and never played again, but which is very sad. But um, yeah, that's that's a little bit of my background of coming up with music and it's been very very much a part of my life so um that's a little synopsis of that area and uh, i was i've been a professional musician over 20 years done a lot of headline shows done a lot of writing uh written musicals and songs and all sorts of things yeah just love it so I, i'll give you I, a I, 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 <laughs> go, go ahead no, go ahead. Um, okay, so so you know there's a big somebody wanted to ask you within the last year about Harvey Weinstein. I was wondering about the music industry. Is there a lot of a uh, exploitation of women, or do women have to be more on guard than their male counterparts? Can you explain that a little bit? Well, I think that's it's it's always been around. I mean, that's just been you know you've known about this sort of casting couch, and we've it's it's always been around. Um, and that sort of, you know, women have a decision of, um, you know, you get into that pressured position to where you feel like, okay, I can't move ahead in my career and, in, in, you know, all of that. But they've really, um, you have that sort of decision. I'm really glad some of that is coming out and coming forward now with uh, some of the manipulation. Uh, the very important thing is not to dwell on that and uh, and to move on. You know, when you kind of start this huge movement and now everybody's, you know, coming out of, oh, I did this and this, this, and this, this. You know, you, ha- you have to be, you know, put that in perspective. It's been around a very, very long time. <laughs> and um, there is just, decisions that you make on who you're going to work with and who you're not going to work with and I think the true talent ends up coming through so and and that's my opinion and we see that too so um, yeah but it's it's especially in the entertainment industry uh, with the money and the you know people are after the fame and they're after um, being on stage, and they'll make all sorts of sacrifices to be able to do that. So, well, I just I want to say real quick that you know Harvey Weinstein is absolutely a monster, but I oh, also yeah. have my Zola yeah, you, right? I, I, yeah, bro. I, I also see it as okay. another angle, and and I get a lot of heat for this from some people, but I'm just gonna say it. For example, I saw an interview with Gwyneth Paltrow or whatever her name is in like 1989. Mm-hmm. Uh, on David Letterman, and and she was saying that um, David Letterman said, oh, you look so scared. Did someone force you to be here? And she's like, well, not unless if you count Harvey Weinstein. And he was joking, and she was joking. And he's like, does he really threaten you? And she's like, well, hey, there, he, he, he makes you do a few things, but I also want to be in the movies. And then she right. comes out saying, you know, he sexually assaulted her. So I don't, you know, he's definitely a monster, and he's going to burn in hell. But I think right. there's also a lot of women who, you know, they want the fame, the money, the power. Yes. And, and I think it gets blown up to a certain point where Harvey Weinstein, you know, he's, forget it, he's the worst. But right. I think it can hurt a lot of people, too. Right, right. And, and there's a balance there because I, I think, I mean, what happened, it's it's great that it came out and, 
Um, but you can't you can't dwell there. Um, and if you're using that now for launching, um, you know, more exposure and more, you know, all of that, it's just you know, move on. You've got to move on. So um, that's that's where I see the importance of you know not dwelling on it. And if that's a um, an issue, you know, make sure you're up front with it. So and then, but then move on. So. Um, I have a second question. Uh, this is a little bit different. Are, are, do you find, did you find in your own experience that uh, conservatives are discriminated against in the entertainment industry? Um, I don't – I've never really felt like that, and I've never – you know, I've always been able to be who, I'm, who I am, and I just um, – I'm, I'm very upfront and honest and I've I've continued to work in this field because of valuable relationships, and I get referred um, in that way. If I, you know, I've worked for Disney for a number of years. If I don't, if I'm dishonest or I don't show up or you know all of that, I don't work again. So it's I, you know, I've never been on some sort of a conservative platform. I am who I am. People understand who I am, and you find there's a lot of people that are very, they've got a lot of integrity. And so, you know, it really depends on the circles that you, you hang out with. And I've not, mm. you know, I've not worn this big sign. I've just been who I think is very important. And that's one of the things when I'm working with women, because I work um, a lot now with women at halftime. And it's very important for you to understand who you are and understand the mindsets. And if you end up getting into this victim mindset or a negative self-talk, that's really harmful and very detrimental, not only to your own uh, personal confidence, but also in your portrayal in your in your business and in in what you're doing and even building your business and working with other people. So yes, I've not I've not found I've never worn that I've never worn that tag and I've never you know felt a need to. So Did that answer your question? <laughs> no, it was, it was a great, it was a fantastic actually. Yeah, thank you. And here, um, here's what I want to ask you, De- Deborah. I want like your whole story is fascinating. <laughs> you have a novel. Your resume is a novel, and you know you you have this whole life story that the audience would be very inspired by. I mean, it's you just start from the beginning. I want to hear you know, you know how you got in. You know, you got the Grammy, the Grammy nominee. I mean, you you won international award winning. You won an international award. You know, all all this stuff, all these amazing achievements. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think my my basic story is putting one step in front of the other. It's I'm a um, I'm very consistent. I've got the degrees and all of that. It just takes work and. I love what I do. Um, absolutely love what I do. And so I've, you know, I've been raised in music. My first teacher uh, found out that I had an ear. I could pick up stuff just kind of by hearing it. But I also learned to read music. And then I started in training as a uh, concert pianist. So uh, yes. then I started, you know, progressing there, adding the singing, uh, was a double major, and then went into education as well in the classroom, which I did not want to stay in. Um, right. And then uh, ended up getting graduate degree, 
pursuing that, but really started touring. Loved to be able to uh, perform quite a bit and write. Ended up getting married, marrying a uh, professional baseball player, which was really interesting. Played in the minors and learned a lot about baseball. I knew nothing about baseball. Had three sons. Okay, so now I'm giving you this big synopsis of my life. But my father it's played. All been, my father played in the minors as well. Just to interrupt, yeah. but that's that's so that's so cool. You know, it's it's really. I mean, we understood each other because uh, playing baseball is being in entertainment as well, and you you understand the entertainment, you understand the travel, you understand uh, the work it takes to be at a certain level, uh, and the concentration it takes to be at a certain level. So, and and that's very true. When I've done headline shows for large, uh, large audiences in arenas, it is a, a certain amount of concentration. So you get in that zone of performance and really giving to your audience. So it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. And, and I mean, that's my story of putting that one foot in front of the other. And I started getting into speaking uh, more and and what I'm doing now, I'm working with Women at Halftime. I'm the incoming president of our L.A. chapter of our National Speaking Association. Uh, but I got into that because uh, the music industry at, you know, 2008 with our big um, uh, <laughs> recession happening, I saw the writing yeah. on the wall yep. and, and a lot of the entertainment, and I, I decided to reinvent my life and start actually expanding, not just reinvent, but expand what my career entails. So that's, uh, but it, it, you know, the degrees, you can have all the degrees that you want, but unless you are able to actually build a business and put the work in behind that, a degree is not going to do you any good. It'll open a door, but you got to keep running through that door. You've got to do the work. So that's what my philosophy is. My father um, taught me to work hard. My mother too. They, they were, very hard workers and appreciate uh, that sort of example they gave me and uh, carried on, carried right on through. So that is, there you that go. Is so cool. <laughs> and so, you so go. your life, so your life today, like explain, you know, you're doing a lot of different stuff, a lot of different projects. You have a lot of different right. business ventures going on. Mm-hmm. My life today. Like, yeah. My life today, all right, my day starts very early as I get up yeah. and work out. How about that? My life today starts with working out. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if I, I tend to have a lot of energy, but the, the exercise and the ex- expanding that energy, I kind of, I'm not a big lover of working out. It's my main goal is to do going getting through my workout successfully and being done. So I, I like to be done. <laughs> it's the same thing that I like to finish projects. Many people like the process of a project. They like in the middle of the – they just like being in the the process of doing a project. Well, I love to do the project, but I love to get done. I just There's that certain feeling. It's like finishing that race. So for me, even working out is like that. I like to get done, and then I'm done for the day. Um, But no, I move from, you know, because I am an an entrepreneur and a creator, I schedule my days, whether I have meetings, whether I have um, an engagement to speak at or 
uh, to perform at. I still do a lot of performing musically. I'm a pianist vocalist, so you put me at a piano, I'll you know I can play forever almost. But the but I still work in those fields, so it depends if I have those sort of engagements. I've got um, you know things that I'm presently working on. I'm finishing another book. I'm putting together an online summit. I'm putting together a live summit for women at halftime. Small group, very select group. And so, you know, working a lot of, I do a lot of technical things as well, which actually, if there are women listening to this, it is one of the most unrepresented fields for women, and there's huge opportunity. And don't be scared of technical uh, issues. Um, You don't have to be, you don't have to write code. (laughs) So you, you... you have to just be able to get into a little bit of that field enough to understand it, to be able to work into that that area a little bit more. And there are so many resources out there to just start diving in. Don't be afraid of that. But uh, I do, I work a lot with video. I do a lot with production that way. This whole online summit, I've done all the video. I'm doing all the editing. I've, done a, I've got a u- huge YouTube channel. So, you know, I enjoy that sort of process of it lets me create. That's what I love, love to do. And uh, my days are, are formatted. I have a weekly newsletter that come out comes out. A lot of times I have video within that or an article that I write weekly. But it, it keeps a, a touch going with people that subscribe and a connection going um, constantly uh, from uh, what my message is. So that's pretty much it. That's enough, isn't it? <laughs> uh, not even close. I have a. I, we have so many more questions. Um, we, we, and and we all know you're you're a conservative, which we love. This is a conservative show, so we'll definitely be asking you some political questions. But what sure. I really, what I really like to know and, and want to know more uh, detail about is the great your Grammy and your international awards. Like, please talk about that. Like, it's like it's so cool. What what a life! I mean, that's amazing. Well, the Grammy process is quite something. There is a whole because um, I'm an independent artist. There's a whole community that uh, is now you know connected with the Grammys, and and usually it's an interesting game. It's very, very political. And I know we don't want to hear that, but it, because you always think, oh, just the best rises. And, but it is very, very uh, political with some of the big uh, record companies. And, and it's just the way it is. The more money they can throw at it and more stuff that they can do. And, uh, and not always does the, the most artistic and the best. I mean, we all know that. You wonder why. Okay, so why did this song cut through? So there's a lot of that. But that's that's true in every field. It's true in mu- in movies. It's true. It's true in every single award area. But uh, I love connecting with the community, and I have been up for a, a number of Grammys, and it's. It's just an interesting, it's kind of a numbers game that you, with all the contacts, getting people to listen. I listen to a lot of material. I listen to everything that's sent my way, mostly online now. They used to send albums. I'd have so many albums, but the uh, the CDs. But the I listen to everything because I've been a voter for a number of years. 
so but I can usually tell <laughs> if something I do not just vote for something if somebody sends it to me or if I want them to vote for me. I honest I listen and I can usually tell right off uh if that's worthy of a vote because I I feel like that sort of responsibility, a professional responsibility. So that's that's the process with the Grammys. It's very uh, it's an intense time. There are two different voting times and it's um very compact. There are um, online groups, the Facebook groups now. Uh, the of course the uh, the Grammy community tried to regulate this a little bit more with, you know, message the type of messages and all of this. And so when they start regulating more, just like just like our good old you know democratic United States, if they start regulating more, people find a different way to communicate. How about that? So that's the same exactly. thing that happens in almost every single group and especially independently. So that's kind of the process. And the other awards, internationals, I've you know sent in separate songs, and so I've gotten different awards that way. And for whatever those mean, it's really interesting because awards are great, but I've never depended on awards for my work because I feel like what I'm doing right now and what my where I'm at at the present and and working is my best calling card because if I'm called back or called for a, an, another engagement, it's because not of what I've done in the past or some award I've had, it's or some um, thing I've written in the past unless I'm able to communicate that correctly. So that's that's pretty much what my, you know, there's a lot of awards given out, you know, a lot of participant ribbons, as I say, or awards, and people depend on those many times for moving their career ahead. And that's pretty dangerous, I think. So. Hey, uh, can I ask uh, a question there, Rory, real quick? Yeah, Mike Zolo, go ahead, out of New Jersey. Sure. Yeah. Hey Deborah, how are you? Um, I'm I was good, just wondering. Mike. Good, good. Always good to be good. Uh, I was just wondering. <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge. I mean, we all here are huge Trump supporters. So, um, are, do you support President Trump, right? Or, yeah. That's a great question. <laughs> That's a great question. You know, when I was voting, because I am a voter, I will. I'm not going to abstain from voting. There were so many great candidates in the first round of voting, and it was di- very difficult to choose. I can't remember who I voted in the primaries. But when it came time to vote for our president, I was not going to vote for somebody that stood for a, um, a government that would take away from the power of the people. I was not going to vote that way. And the candidate that would um, keep the power and and what our U.S. Constitution stood for was the the candidate that I voted for. And it didn't matter, Republican or Democrat, but I was going to vote for the candidate that kept my freedoms and that stood for the values that our – 
servicemen and people even in my family in the past fought for the freedoms in our country. And I did not want my freedoms taken away just because I'd vote for a certain person or a certain party. So, yes, the person I voted for in this election, which now you know who I voted for, but in the final vote was the person that stood for the freedoms that were fought for that that we enjoy today in our United States of America. So you voted for Donald Trump? Yes, because uh, good. Very in the good. Final, well, in the final vote, uh, that is the candidate that stood for that. Now I don't right. uh, you, I don't have to agree with his personal life. I don't have to agree with his tweets. I don't. But I know that he's going to stand for the freedoms that and the Constitution that America is uh, based upon. So right. You know I don't have to agree with everything, but what I, but what I don't want is my freedoms taken away. And and once we do that, it, they're not going to come back. It's going to be complete chaos. Well, uh, hey, bear I bear am... with me real quick. Bear with me real quick. We have a caller sure. coming in. Uh, sure. Let's see. Let's see what's going on. Hello. Thank you for calling the Rory Sauter Show. What's going on? How may I help you? Who am I speaking with? Hi, this is John. How's it going tonight? Hey, John, how can we help you, John? Well, I wanted to call in and talk about, you know, um, what? Yeah. Oh, he's gone. He got disconnected. Um, I That was probably, I don't know who that was. Weird. Um, but anyway, Mike Zolo, you had, a, you had a question. Go ahead. Oh, I had a question. Sure. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, James. Um, I was wondering, just regarding the music industry, uh, is there any legislation or deregulation you would like to see uh, passed regarding the music industry? Uh, what do you mean by legislation or deregulation? Are you? Yeah, is there uh, something? That, is there any legislation out there you'd like to see get rid of that's maybe inhibiting artists from owning their own music? Or would you like to see any legislation passed to help artists maybe, I don't know. I don't know much about the entertainment industry, much about the music industry, but mm-hmm. just regarding about politics or political fear. Because this is a political talk show. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> well, um, I, th- I think that actually is a, is a good question because we're talking about freedom of speech. And I'm a big believer in freedom of speech, although I think in the type of language and with young kids being exposed, I think we do have some regulations that because you have um, certain warnings on, you know, either albums or um, movies, you know, they've been regulated that way, which I think is smart because many parents have, again exposed what would you you know bring your kids to see i'm not going to bring my young kids to see you know nudity in the the theaters i don't think that's appropriate at all and the same thing you're not going to expose young kids to the type of language but sometimes they're exposed to that anyway because the parents are listening to it so and that's part of that's a problem but i am a um a real 
a supporter of constitutional free speech. And because once you start taking that away, you take away religious freedoms, you take away all sorts of of uh, of freedoms in our country. So you I, in that sort of re- regulation to try to make things fair and I think well, you know you have to be really really careful. I think there you people are going to figure out the system. They're going to figure out how to promote with social media, with all sorts of tools. There's a lot of creative ways and a lot of creative people that can can figure that out. So I think I, you know I'm not I'm not for a lot more regulation I, because I think it's very important. We've got some real freedoms in our country that have been fought very hard for, and with very good reason behind them. And when you don't know that history, when you don't know the reasoning behind some of those freedoms, I think that's dangerous when you start taking those away. Yeah. That's a fantastic oh, answer. Thank you. Did that answer well, your question? Well, no, totally. A fantastic well, answer. Yeah. You're just talking about the, the, the gray line between – you're talking about parental advisory stickers, right? Right. About yes, you don't want to exactly. like, have your kid listening to – but at the same time, you don't want the government coming in and regulating your speech because you know people are going to, A, get around it, and B, right. it's also freedom of expression. Right. That's how what I right. took, you know. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Sure. That was a great question. It was really a great question because it – uh, that's that's kind of that's a hot topic, you know, and especially this big emphasis on fairness, you know, or you know, getting ahead. But um, it's it, it was a good question. Thank you. Um, and, and you know, Zolo, I know you had a question as well. Go ahead, Zolo. Yes, yes. Well, I was just all right. So, like I said, I'm a very, very, very loyal and um, big Trump supporter. And I want to get your opinion on how you feel about many of the Republicans um, that don't really help President Trump. They're not out there, you know, not only are they not out there, you know, defending him, they're actually, some of them are even out there attacking him, you know, going on CNN. And I think, I think people need to understand how hard of a job Trump has right now where he has the majority, you know, in Congress, but not many of them are really, really behind him. And uh, I just want to get your opinion on that because a lot of people like me, I'm getting to the point where I can't stand these fake Republicans anymore. And I think they're really starting to to, uh, harm President Trump's agenda, which is good Mm. for America. Well, um, <laughs> Trump is kind of he's he's kind of surprising me actually. Um, he's got, <laughs> he's got a huge target on his back. He just I mean huge, but he he does not stop. The man does not stop, and it's he's a, almost. He's, and I've said I've said that on my show so many times. He's a machine. <laughs> he's a miracle man. He's America's it, savior. It's really, and we've never seen anything like it. I've I've never I, you know I've never seen anybody I had a, a grandfather who was a mayor and and I've had you know family members who've been in politics and I I understand about that poli- you know that uh, target on your back in a, you know not in the way Trump does but he's it's almost like he can create a diversion and then right. get his agenda done and so he's I think he's this is my opinion because people will disagree, but I think he's very smart 
he oh, can oh create God, this sort of diversion, and he's getting a lot done. And well, there let me are. Give you an example real quick. Can I just well, give you one example? You'll give me an example. Go ahead. No, I just wanted to, to follow up on my question to give you an example of how. Oh, yes. So, if there was a Democrat president right now, or any different name, any Republican candidate that ran against him, let's say, uh, you know, let's say Jeb Bush, if he was right. president right now, any mm-hmm. other Republican president, if he was the target of this insane investigation, this Russia collusion garbage, mm-hmm. those Republicans, every single Republican would be out there on the cameras, TVs every day saying, we, this is a lie, we defend the president, and you don't see that for this president other than a handful of Republicans. And I know Trump's a warrior, he's a machine, but I think at the end of the day, we got to start voting these people out and getting some real people who support Trump and his agenda. So it's like, I don't see this happening to any other president. This would not happen to, to Obama, okay? The Democrats would be out there every day, you know? Mm. Well, a lot depends on the press, and we've got a we've got a very liberal press, oh and my it's God. kind of interesting. It's kind of interesting. Uh, in fact, my husband thinks that uh, Trump will end up, you know, uh, starting his own um, press, his whole um, uh, company or you know yeah. um, movement uh, yeah. with conservative press. But the it's just to me. There are people around, you know, politics. People want to keep their jobs. Uh, the politics is a good job. <laughs> they've got some security. They've got some fame. They've got a platform. And people want to keep their jobs. So if if they feel their people want them to be a certain way or something, you know, I, I don't know what's going on in those heads. I don't know what's been, you know, hidden. There's a lot of stuff that happens. And, I will just, you know, I'll guarantee you there's a lot of stuff that we just don't know because they can't share everything either. So it's just the way politics runs. But uh, it's uh, it'll be kind of interesting uh, as we come out of these things. It just, you know, to me it's just it's just a, it, kind of a circus sometimes, and you know, you look at it. But but again, I feel like. You know, with our our leadership, at least our freedoms are being stood up for, and that to me is most important. And I will support that. I agree. Deborah, I agree. You look at, Deborah, you look at what came out today. There have been over three hundred regu- U.S. Treasury has killed over three hundred regulations uh, for the IRS. I mean, this is absolutely amazing. I mean, it's all these accomplishments for the American people with Trump. I mean, he's fulfilled. And there was a survey, there was a poll that came out the, the other day. He's completed 64% of his agenda in his first year. 64%. Most presidents, when they leave office, don't even fulfill 10% of their – after eight years. He's done in one year. I mean – it's unbelievable. He's done more in one year than any president in history. It's it's mm. incredible. I mean, we have our country back. We have, I mean, we have everything back under control, back, you know, going the right direction. I mean, we this is the best time to be alive, more powerful mm. than ever before. 
Hmm. Well, he definitely carries a big stick. Wasn't that Roosevelt or uh, uh, one of our – but he's, you know, he's not backing down. But, again, I think Trump, he's a master at creating a diversion, and he gets his agenda yes. done. He's, and he gets up yes. very early. He gets up very, very yep. early, works Four very, very hard. Tonight. Yeah. So, he, uh, you know, you've got you've to gotta hand it to him. And he's not doing this for the money. <laughs> Just, no. He uh, nope. and he's not doing this for the fame. It's it that it, doesn't matter to him. I, I really, and, and really, really about, like his wife. I think she is I a class her. act. And uh, you know when you when you look at that, and no matter you know he's been a playboy. My gosh, but you know, hey, of course, of course, he's a guy. You know, you just, you know, you. But he is committed to our country. He's committed to the values, and is when he's in yes. office, I'm not going to back down, and we're not going to put – I don't want to put somebody in there that's going to make me change my health care, change my uh, – ch- not have the freedoms that I've had. Government uh, control. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So. And, and I want to – you know, Deborah, I, wanna, I really want to ask you – um, you know, about your, you know, more about your career, you know, what you're, what you're doing today, you're, you're with, you know, involved with, um, you know, multiple businesses. I mean, don't, don't you own, you're doing a bunch of different stuff. Well, my main focus right now is I combine music and media in my, um, my message and my speaking. My first book was stuck is not a four letter word. Uh, seven steps yeah. to getting unstuck, and just finding that journey. I interviewed people pretty much from all over the world for that book, and came up with great principles. And did an online course for that as well. Then I wrote a book called Bad Code because my website was hacked. It was a huge, huge problem. So I, I went into my nerdy side and figured out code, and had to hire that done, of course, to be um, cleaned up and and rebooted. But in the process, really learned a lot about mental code because there's such a connection with um, with virtual code, the principles there. In if you have a virus, it will keep repeating itself, and that's exactly what negative self-talk does, and and uh, negative mindsets do. They just keep repeating themselves over and over. If you do not change the code, change the language. So that's what that book is all about, and changing the language and uh, for a positive mental code. And now I'm writing my Women at Halftime Principles for Producing Your Successful Second Half. So, And that's the emphasis that I'm, um, I'm targeting is Women at Halftime. It's a huge market. 150,000 women enter halftime, which is 40 and above, by the way. Wow. Halftime every single month. There are 45 million women in halftime in the United States. And women go through a lot of changes. I know men do too. But women go through a lot of changes with relationships, with jobs, with their bodies, a lot of different changes at that time. And they... Um, are looking sometimes to reinvent their life, many times to reinvent their life or restart, and how do they do that? Some of them have worked a job. They've raised their families. Their kids are grown. Now what do they do? 
So uh, I speak to those women especially in how to build their businesses, how to restart their life, uh, and the principles I've trademarked, the uh, Hero Mountain with the Cables of Success. So that's where – and I love using music and media to – be able to um, give an impactful message with that. So that's where, and I'm leading um, a Los Angeles chapter of our National Speaking Association, which is actually very fun, wonderful people, very talented, all very, very diverse. It's really the first board I've really sat on, and now I'm incoming president. But I'm not really a meeting person, uh, I've always been such a creative, but this is such a great organization in in outreach, nonprofit. I've really felt uh, it's very, very worthy of giving time. So I'm really enjoying that. Wow. That was a lot of words. I mean, that was a lot of words. Okay, so uh, women speak about three, 30,000 a day. I probably got in my share today. So. <laughs> you, you are – you are amazing. I mean, what a life you've led. I mean, it's unbelievable. And I really want you to, you know, go into, you know, depth and, and detail about uh, how you're still uh, strongly affiliated, you know, in the music industry as you were when you were winning those awards. Are you still that strongly into it? Or, how you know, how can you describe that? I, um, I usually produce either a, a song or an album every year. I have not produced the one I'm producing for this year yet, um, uh, but I I will. And so it keeps me connected with the community. Um, of course, I still perform, um, so I'm not, uh, I'm not out of that field at all. Uh, but producing music, I'm not doing as many albums, and as, I'm not writing, oh, my goodness, musicals is a whole other subject. I've launched two musicals, world premieres, and it's, huge amount of work working with actors and directors but a great experience because i've learned a lot through it but um getting those launched is a huge amount of work as well but the but i'm not so i'm not as heavily involved just in music um i am using music as a tool for my message more and using it to enhance my message at this point did that answer your question <laughs> Yeah, well, well said. I mean, well, well said. And so, you know, you perform like what? Do you perform at different venues? Like, how how does that all go down? Do you travel? Like, are you on the road? There's only so much travel I want to do right now. So, if I have a fly out, uh, I do fly outs usually. If I travel, uh, otherwise, I'm around town. I did a an event for. I'm in Southern California, so I did an event for Pasadena Symphony this last week. Did a, a private one of their private events, but it was solo piano. And then I did another um, a high-end hotel. I did, you know, just like Jay Leno would, you know, drop in and do a comedy uh, one of the um, comedy clubs just to keep his skills sharp. I would drop in and yeah. do piano vocals at a high-end hotel. So that's what I did this last week. I'm I'm working for Disney this next week. So I just, you know, it's it's everything is different uh, that I do in the music field, and people are fascinated by that. But to me, it's um, they're relaxing, they're fun, uh, they're a total diversion. It's uh, usually easy unless it's a show, uh, a full-on stage show takes a lot more uh, work, and I had um, a brand new show, actually, that I launched last year of uh, that an agent booked, and 
you know, by the time you do the video and you do the arrangements, and it's, you know, it's a lot, a lot of work uh, putting those on. But and so I'm not doing that as much anymore. I have a headline act called Double Grande. It's doublegrandepianos.com, plural, just like the coffee Double Grande. Uh, but we do. Wait, can um, you repeat that? So you have you have a what? Sorry, yes. you have a go ahead. A double, like just like the coffee, the double grande, double grande pianos, two pianos. It's like a, a dueling piano, but it's a headliner show. But I've done that on very large stages. I work with uh, a partner with that. We've not booked that. Um, in the past years, we haven't booked it as much because of the market. But it's a great show. It's a lot of fun. It's very high energy. Uh, a lot of uh, video and production value there. But two pianos, uh, a lot of singing as well. So I do, I, I hit all the high notes. We call them money notes. So, you know, doing the Andrew Lloyd Webber, all that sort of uh, uh, sort of material there with but also pop a lot of stuff with the with with that and uh, kind of a hooked on classics feel so but it's a, it's more of a headline show that's been a lot of fun it's a great show um, it is a large show so don't do that one as often but um, it's a great show and it's um, so yeah a lot of different things on my plate uh, focusing on finishing this book, focusing on my women at halftime and my hero mountain right now just to uh, finish these projects very well and propel that part of my business forward. Very impressive. Very impressive. Wow. So, so you so – go, Joe, go ahead, Gianni. You have a question. Oh, no, I was just saying that's very awesome. <laughs> okay. Well, I um, yeah, Deborah, Deborah, Deborah. That's so, you know, with your so you do. Uh, is it always plays that you do? Is that what you're fully involved with? So, plays is that what what were you what do you mean by plays or are you talking about musicals? Yeah, musicals. That's what I mean. Oh, uh, yeah. No, um, musicals, okay, so let me define a little bit of this for your audience. Musicals are like a staged musical. That's a little bit different. It's not a show. I've written musicals, uh, and I've launched two of my original musicals, uh, our world premieres in the L.A. area. You, uh, world Very premieres nice. are when you uh, you video them, you hire in the actors, you hire in the directors, you do uh, a run and get reviews, and so then you pursue publishing. So I'm actually pursuing some publishing for those musicals, as I don't want to really self-publish those. It's quite the process, and I've been a little busy. I need to get back on that one. But they're great. Uh, they have had great reviews, a lot of fun, a lot of work. And people that are in this full-time, it is it's a, that you have to just really, really love it, and it is. A, it's a lot of fun. It's very creative. You write a lot of songs. Uh, the book goes through a number of rewrites. Writing is rewriting. It's just it's constant. So it's. Uh, but it's. It was a great experience. Uh, again, um, I call it a great experience, and also. A money pit because it costs money. It costs a lot of time. You just have to love it. You have to be willing to give part of your life to that. So, 
It is. It's not something that I plan on doing again, actually. But I, I actually approach shows in the very similar way as musicals, though, because of the arc and the energy uh, that you put into a show, or even um, a talk and a speech. There's a certain flow and a certain feel to it. So. Absolutely, one hundred percent. I, I, yeah, that's, I mean, so, so impressive. So what um, are you, how long have you been doing this for with the, with the, you know, with the musicals and in and, and this entertainment field? How long have you been doing, when did you start, what year? Well, I, I started piano lessons when I was nine. Okay, so that was a long time ago. I started teaching yeah. privately when I was 13 and actually, yeah. I started teaching neighbor kids when I was 13 because I would rather teach piano than babysit the five kids next door or or pull weeds. So I, I thought, you know, I could teach piano. I could earn a little more money. So I taught piano, and then their parents wanted to take from me. So I was teaching adults at the age of 13 and wow. continued, uh, continued, and I've never quit doing some of the private teaching ever, even when having kids. Uh, that that continued, all the students usually just come. I don't ever advertise. I don't carry a lot right now. I've not accepted very many. So, But the uh, those have always been, because I wanted to raise our kids. I didn't want to tour, travel, do you know all of that. I did a little bit of it, but not very much. So I worked around town and kept working, and but also – had a full load of private students and taught at the local college and university and that sort of thing. So I was able to be around uh, when raising kids. So, but the, but that's when my musical journey started and almost immediately started performing. So it was from that stage and people, people want to start, I wrote a book called music for kids. When to start piano lessons. People have asked me so often, Oh, you know, Susie, she's she's two, she's three. I need to get her in piano. What do you think I need to get her in? Or you know, by the time she's five, and and my response is get them in a group, get them in a group situation of rhythm and having fun, and then private private lessons. Wait till they're about eight or nine, because it is their concentration level. They'll continue that and then just, you know, make sure they continue with it while they go to school so it's part of their work. And that's very important. But otherwise, they quit too early. So. Yeah, and you, and you work with the Rory. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I was just want to know who your music was. What was, what was that? I sort of missed that. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, who would you say that your uh, musical influences are? Like, who do who you... Uh, I try to mimic your music after who inspired you, like artists uh, growing up. Artists growing up, it was really pretty funny. My parents were pretty strict, and we <laughs> we listened to. My mother had classical music on, or or it was gospel music playing, or Montovani strings, like the you know soothing music. But the but when I got into high school, my what I absolutely absolutely loved was Carol King, because the piano vocalist, the woman. I mean, that is I love playing that and and doing that sort Very of music. Talented. 
there was a there was another um, Christian artist. His name was Keith Green, and in a horrible accident, plane accident, uh, died very early. But he had that sort of same style as as the you know Elton Johns and the you know all of those that I just I just love the piano vocalists. So and of course Carpenters and and all of those and it kind of dates me a little bit when when I when of those some of those artists but they were a big influence for me as a pianist vocalist in putting both of those together and it's a real skill that uh, it is it's not easy to combine both of those that's why I've worked for so many years because it's 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 what I can do and hold a full conversation at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You're referring to the Carpenters. We've only just begun. I know. Right. I know. That's yeah. going to be like really date me for a way. But what a voice that Karen Carpenter had, and she was a drummer. Yes. And but she, I mean, they when her brother Richard Carpenter, who is an amazing um, writer and arranger, by the way, he was uh, the backbone of it. But when he when he decided, you know, I need somebody to sing this song and put her in front of the mic, it was magic. And what a smooth voice. I tell you, if you listen to her their Christmas album, it is so classic. They, It's hard to find albums like that today, that the whole album is so good. And I listen to a lot of music, and it is so well produced, and it is, it's just something you can listen to over and over and over again. That's a well, very well produced album. Well said. So well said. Um, I, I, what I do want to get into you, with you, though, on is California politics. Mm-hmm. So what part, of, what, part, what part of California are you based out in? L.A.? Are you in L.A.? I am in Southern California. I'm not right in L.A. I love where I live, so I'm not right in the middle of L.A. because I, I like to have a little more space. But, the, uh, but I am in Southern California, yes. What like what city like what area you know is it more of the conservative like Orange County or are you more in the liberal area? Well, I don't know in California if you can call any any area really conservative, but the um, <laughs> the yeah. best it gets is like Newport Beach or Orange County in terms of conservative. I mean that's about well, it. Well, because yeah, yeah. So, but the but California is. You know, it's it's a pretty liberal state, so it's that's terrible. Just, yeah, I know. And uh, I mean, from recent reports, you know, people are moving out of this state, and you don't blame them. Uh, it's the middle class, difficult. especially. Yes, yes, and and you know, this really speaks to women at halftime as well, because they're making some of these decisions to restart their business. Well, what about the taxes? Yeah. Now they keep raising. In California, and I mean, not only sales tax, but now gas tax and everything. It's It's never enough. Yeah, it's never enough. It's like, what did you do with the money? Wasn't this allocated before? They gave it to illegal aliens. Yeah, it's just really, really interesting. So, uh, you know, you don't blame them. And what keeps people here, and what's keeping me here, uh, too, or us here, you know, when our family is here, you just hate to move away from that. So that's a real tough decision. But but when you have, if you don't have a lot of that based on just things that are tying you down, uh, relationships and all of that, then 
there's definitely a lot more freedom and a lot more decision. People, a lot, of, a lot of people are just moving away. So yeah, that's how. <laughs> I mean, that's how it is, and you know, it's um, there's been a big, a big percentage of middle class that have moved away from California just right. due to all the hikes, the tax hikes. You know, it's. I mean, it goes. It's going crazy. And, I have a question. You know, just the co- cost of living. Go I ahead. have a question too. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead, Johnny. Or yeah, Johnny, go ahead. New York, Johnny out of New York. Yeah, hi, hi, Deborah. I'm Johnny oh, from hi. New York. Hi. I'm actually, I'm actually a, yeah, I'm actually a director and an independent filmmaker. I'm also Ooh. a crooner, so I'm in the entertainment industry uh, quite much. And I have a question actually for you about that. Like, okay, being Republican, you know, like I am, it's kind of like. You know, it's one thing, you know, growing up, you know, at your age, you know, everybody really respected political parties. And you see now with the whole, you know, Kanye West thing, what happened to him, everybody's like attacking him. So you being in the industry now as a professional, how do people receive you now? Like after, you know, the politics that people are not really respecting each other's political beliefs now, you know, as being an entertainer and being a Republican. Well, in my business and in when I'm entertaining, I don't talk about business. I don't talk about uh, I don't I don't talk about politics or religion unless it's specifically for that. Because people are there to be entertained. They're not there I don't need to I don't need to get in front and make this a political platform. In fact, that turns me off on some of the award shows. You know, don't don't give me your political platform. This is an award show. So I I have I, I usually don't unless I'm asked, but I usually don't yeah. I don't go there. I just don't go there. If you want to know something about me you can ask or we can talk about it in private. But that is my that's my um stance on that and I'm here to do a job to entertain and to do my job I'm not here to you know create a platform so that's you know people they're going to know what I sort of stand for I usually don't uh, broadcast any sort of message because I think it's it's really inappropriate yeah and that's oh. it's another thing the reason I the main reason I asked because you know I used to go to Tisch School of Arts for New York University, okay. and yeah, I was there. And you know when I would tell people when they would ask me like I like you I agree with you like we should not make politics entertainment. I don't believe we should be doing that. But it's like whenever politics came up, you know, and I said my view and how I you know people kind of like side look like how could you be in a creativity community or the theater community and things in that nature and be Republican and you know I kind of feel like it's like pulp when it comes to politics so yeah I try to keep it out but when people ask me it's kind of like a side eye you know (laughs) it's really interesting because I've I've been at a lot of arts conferences across the country and uh, it's it's really interesting that and, and it's sometimes I think it's the herd syndrome uh, by that it's h-e-r-d the herd they're going to follow the crowd because when someone when a bunch of people raise their hand everybody starts raising their hand and it's just like oh i better do this because i'm in this group and to me that's it's a shortcut it's short sheeting what 
you know, think. Use your own mind. Use your own logic. And just because you think, oh, this is what everybody else is doing. But it's the same thing that peer pressure does. And uh, But, you know, I've been a part of that, too, to where, you know, people – and I still remember, I don't agree with all the politics at all, but I really appreciated what um, – uh, Laura Bush was doing with I think it was Laura Bush might have been Barbara that was doing with the libraries but I think it was Laura because she's an educator she was doing some amazing thing with education this was not political at all it was just education it was giving the kids either reading to them or something in the schools and this was brought up at an arts conference and literally there were like two people clapping in the room and I thought you guys are jerks this is this was this was admirable for someone that and forget about the politics you know but they focus on this oh I think this you know because it's a conservative thing you know to me it doesn't matter again I'm going to go back to Republican or Democratic because I tell you the Democratic um, Party used to be a lot more conservative and that's where people were voting with with the, the, that with were JFK, the last, the last yeah, one was JFK, with JFK. exactly yeah. and I, I had family members they were voting democratic but it's what they stood for so it doesn't you know you you got to look at what they stand for and and to me that's a shame because people are not thinking they're just going with the herd and they're not just real, they're not thinking for themselves on the, and and taking a stand for true appreciation and for the freedoms that we have. Yeah. And and you have and and you have Deborah, you know, and and California, you know, the the politics in California are so anti-American. I mean, it's you know, it, it's it's communism. And when you, you know, that and, was my you know, question. obviously yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll let you go. In a, Zolo, Zolo, is that you? Yeah, bro. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, give me one second. I just want to say, you know, with the with the whole, you know, you got the Camilla Harris's of the world, you know, you got the max, masculine Maxine Waters, crazy Maxine, drag queen Maxine. Um, but, uh, you know, you got all these people that are destroying California. And, you know, it, it's the same with, the Bernie Sanders agenda on the East, you know, what Bernie Sanders wants to do for the world. He wants to, un- he just announced today, he wants to unveil a plan to give everybody a government job. That's like what California wants to do. It's, it's, it's absolutely insanity and it's just backwards politics. And it's the same sort sort of thing with trying to give these McDonald workers $15 an hour. I mean, it's just not right. McDonald's isn't supposed to be a career. <laughs> well, some people make it a career. How about that? But the, uh, exactly. well, you know, we're, and we're talking about socialism. Yes, if, communism if you wanna, socialism if you, is terrible. Well, if you want to look at some examples, look at Greece, look at some of the examples from these. Look at Venezuela. The, Yes, and look at some of the countries. How are they doing? Why don't we look, you know, again, think. 
you know, use your brain. Don't don't just go along with the herd or don't go along. And this is a, it's a shortcut. People are not thinking for themselves. That's part of our problem in our education system too. You've got to yeah. train people to think, think for themselves. Very very important. Yeah. Mike, you go ahead, man. You had something to say. Oh yeah, I just wanted to say, uh, since you live in California, I'm sure you're aware of the problem with uh, illegal aliens, you know, illegal immigration. I look at the, um, I'm looking at numbers from California mm-hmm. all the time because right. illegal immigration is a real problem, and California is just out of control. And I want to get your, I want to ask you. Over one oh, million driver lights. I was going to say there's millions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. They had they get over one million of the driver uh, license were given to illegal aliens. Thirty three percent of the jails are filled with illegal aliens. Illegal aliens are driving illegally without licenses. Los Angeles, eighty percent of the illegal aliens are on welfare, food stamps, and everything. But meanwhile, you got homeless people all over the place. You got American citizens that are struggling. Why is Jerry Brown and these, this leftist, Gavin Newsom, why do these people care about illegal aliens that don't even assimilate and don't even try to speak English, many of them? I mean, why do they care about them before American citizens? I just don't understand. California is really, really out of control with this. You know, I don't know that I can answer the question, why are they doing it? Because I've never talked to him about that. <laughs> But the um, it's it's interesting because part of it, you know, Jerry Brown's father was a was a lot more conservative, and it it's kind of interesting that um, he's turned this way, and it might be control, it might be politics, it might be Whoa. fame. It's you know all of that comes into play. I I don't know. It, we've got, you know, we've got a state that we can't pay our bills. And that's what, you know, the taxes keep going up. It's just interesting right. that, you know, there's only going to be a certain amount of bailout happening. And we've got a border that it's, there's certain places that you just don't want to drive those roads because of the the type of danger it is with people coming over the border and then you get sharpshooters yeah. and they're robbing and, you know, it's like the old West. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, and it's just, like, I just don't understand for the life of me how anybody in California, I mean, Republican or Democrat, I mean, I mean, just look at the policies that, you know, you have American citizens, California is all like bankrupt. I mean, there's a lot of problems and they keep raising taxes Yet illegal aliens are getting taken care of. I don't understand how any American who lives in California can say, oh, I'm going to keep voting for Jerry Brown and and Gavin Newsom. I just don't understand what's the obsession with illegal aliens. They are illegal aliens. You understand what I'm saying? I just don't get it. I will tell you. Oh, yeah, go, go ahead, ahead. Deborah. I just I just wanted to mention the outsider candidate, the Republican that has a good chance of beating Jerry Brown in mm-hmm. 2018 coming up in November. Uh, mm-hmm. is, it, is it November that Jerry Brown is up for re-election? I think it is. It, it probably is. The, the kind of going back to your question, uh, and I'm going to focus here on 
the um, the handouts because once people start getting something, it's very very difficult to take that away. Once they start being able to be on that, many people want to get off of it, but they can't. But once you start giving out either free, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff free without having to work, all of a sudden, if you start taking that away, it's huge with with all of the you can't you can't you know pull it back. And the type of press that comes out, the type of negativity that comes out, because all of a sudden you're, you know, you're taking away food from babies, and you're taking—I mean, it's the type of stuff that comes out with this yeah. that is going to pull mo- emotional heartstrings. And the same thing happens now with with uh, people that are not here legally. Now, I agree. If people have been here their whole life, they need to have a pass that they can get their legal citizenship. I am a strong believer in that. I think that is fair, and I think our um, uh, nationally, I know they're trying to do some of that, With and I think that's important because there's a lot of people that have contributed, and they just have not you know, gone that final step. They need to have a path to go that way. But right. as far as as just you know, putting a stamp on everybody, they at least need to know the language. They at least need to know the laws. They at least need to pass the driver's test. Literally, I think the tra- traffic in California. I think it's tripled. It is so bad right now, and it's uh, it's a mess. Uh, no because of illegal aliens driving. It's well, it's it's just a mess. And um, but the. I think the focus on on making it, if people have been here and they can do this legally, make that path for them, but protect our borders. You can't mm-hmm. get into Canada like you can get into our country. You can't even get into Mexico not. like you can get into our country. So coming into our country, we should have some of those protections in place like the other countries have that protection in place. And you get this big stink of like, Oh, you can't do that. You can't put. You can't. You can't hinder. You know, such and such because their families here, or whatever. In it, you know, people they get to know the system and then they work the system, and it it's it's that's sad. You know, everybody's gonna. There's gonna be problems everywhere, but put in some sort of protection. Provide a way for those who have been here. I think that's fair, and I know there's there's a path to do that, but but to be able to also make it fair for the actual people that have that are paying taxes there are very a, a very low percent in california that are actually supporting the state and if they if those people move out we're going to really have a problem so it's it's uh important that you're not going to tax people you know until they they all the wealthy people move away they're we're not going to be able to have a support our state no no i now, i understand now, what you're saying it's just that I'm a, I'm a very hard – I'm sorry, man. So it, it'll be quick. I'm a very hardliner on immigration. And right. when when people say, oh, you know, pathway to citizenship, I, I have a big mm-hmm. heart, okay, as mm-hmm. well. Right, it, right. Just a, there's just only – there's just one problem. Where Where, where is – you know, if, when you say their whole lives, 
you know, okay, does that mean if they're here for 20 years, 15 years, there needs to be a base. There needs to be some right. sort of law and order. I mean, these are people that are here illegally. Right. So we have yeah, to be and, tough and, and everything. And and I think there's some uh, there's some legislation that has sounded, you know, fairly fair, but for that, I, you know, a lot of these have they they have been here 15, 20 years. If they've been here 15, 20 years, provide a way for them to have their legal citizenship. I, I think that's very fair. But if they just come there, over... Why not uh, enforce military service? Uh, enforce? Oh, great. boy, you got you got a lot of regulations going on here. <laughs> well, no, well that's, you, that's a whole other subject. That's a whole other subject. I just, wait, just real quick, I just want to say something. I work in the restaurant industry, okay? Right. And, and right. I work with a lot of illegals, okay? Uh-huh. Right. Uh, not a lot. I mean, some. some. Mm-hmm. Right. And they're good people, okay? They work yes, hard and everything. Are. But let me <clears throat> let me tell you something. I've seen their checks. They don't pay many in taxes. They're they're getting I don't know what they're doing, but but they don't pay taxes that it just does it just seems that they're not paying the right amount. Many of them don't speak English. It's hard to communicate. I just feel like yes, some of them do assimilate well, but but really, we have to start making standards. Hey, if you want to come right. to this country, you got to come the right, right. way. You got to speak English. Right. We're not a country if we don't have a common language. Right. This is, well, that know, this should is not that Mexico, should be. It's America. Well, that that should be in in uh, gaining your citizenship. That should be in yep. definitely learn the language, learn yep. enough of the language. So I mean that, but there should be a path. I agree with that, but there should be a standard. Yep. So that would be that would be one of the standards. Absolutely. You know, I mean, that's to me, that's basic. That's basic. That's just a basic thing. You know, how hard Not is that? <laughs> how hard is that? I mean, my gosh, don't make it hard. <laughs> don't hey, make hey, it so involved De- and complicated. <laughs> hey, Deborah, this is a re- this is a really big thing going on in California right now that I want to mention to you, and I want to get your opinion on. And I know other people will very want to join in on this one. The California State Assembly just passed a bill last Thursday that could make selling a book or giving a paid speech or preaching a sermon suggesting that gay people change their lifestyle will be illegal as a deceptive deceptive business practice. So people can actually get into trouble for something like that. For, for that's taking away free speech. Uh, I think it takes away free speech. Once you take that away, you take away the speech on the other side. They have to think about it. Okay, so if you're going to take a lot away from us, then you can't say anything about conservatives. Okay, let's make it fair exactly. here. You know, yep. you got you, let's look at both sides because it's going to it's going to boomerang right back at them. Oh, yeah, it's a double standard. Yeah. Yeah, and it's I I don't I you know, they'll try to pass some of this stuff and who knows, maybe it will, but I I just uh I think it you know, it's it's going to come back to bite them. That stuff comes back around. We have a freedom of speech, and I think there will be enough people at least standing for that. Otherwise, it's going to affect movies. It's going to affect everything. So you got you got to be careful about that. Oh, absolutely. And, and now, apparently, there's a California law that could, that could pass that would ban the Holy Bible from being. Uh, it, it would. It's an LGBT law that would ban the Holy Bible from California. Yeah, that um, that's I again I can't even believe that uh, that proposal at least got enough signatures, 
But uh, that would be, you need people to get out and vote against that. You know, at least go out and vote, because that's ridiculous. Again, it's it's, uh, taking away the freedom of speech. And and here's the thing. The LGBTQ community put that proposal together, and that's all about entitlement. They want to take over Mm -hmm. something that doesn't agree with them. That's bigotry. They want to take over something that, you know, doesn't necessarily agree with their beliefs, and it's totally wrong. America was founded upon Christianity, you know? Right. And I'm not going to discriminate against, you know, you can believe you can live how you want. You know, I'm a conservative, but, you you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to hate you. I'm not going to anything because I, I'll, I, I, you know, I have a love, in, a love in my heart. And I just think people are, everybody's got their, you know, where they're at. Yeah, me too. Me too. But yeah. there, but once you start getting into that area, just be very, very careful because you're going to take away your own freedoms by doing that, and it's going to come back to bite you. And this comes from I think people don't listen to the wisdom of the past because you get these movements going, and they just join in again. It's the herd syndrome. But you be very, very careful because you're going to take away your own freedoms if you're not careful and you put in too much like that because you want to be heard. So that's a, that's a real important principle to abide by. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you know 100%. Um, Gianni, you had a question. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just saying, uh, I think that's, that's the thing, like I, like I told you last time, I've always been on both sides. Like, we can't you know, attack LGBT people like they're American, they have rights, but then they can attack us either. Mm-hmm. Like, we, have, we need a mutual respect uh, yes. for each other. And, that, and that's my whole thing. The whole thing is not, you know, whether the LGBT people should be you know, uh, teaching, should they be teaching uh, about what they believe and things. I don't care. You care. Please. You want to be gay. I don't care, but you gotta respect if a parent or if a person or pastor does not want to abide by your rules because of his religion, then let it be right. And if you get that, then go overseas to mostly Islamic countries. Let's see how far you get. The problem with the LGBT community is they act like they're persecuted. They're not persecuted. They're not. And it's this victim mentality. It's like, oh, everyone's against us. Look, in Christianity, traditional marriage is what we believe, okay? That doesn't mean we hate you. It just doesn't mean we hate you. It's simple as that. We just believe in different things. The the, the, the persecution act has to stop. You're not persecuted. You can, you can live freely and do what you want. We don't care. I don't have to agree with it, but it doesn't mean I don't hate you. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I've I've worked with a lot of people that um, have a different lifestyle, and I tell you, they are delightful. And uh, yeah. you know, you and I just interviewed a gal, and it's you know, she's delightful, very creative. I am not going to condemn a lifestyle because of that's what she's. It's not my personal belief. But it doesn't stop me from getting to know her and and caring about her and showing right. her um, the love of you know yeah. of of you know of her friendship. And so it Mutual just respect. 
yeah, of mutual respect. I really respect her. And and so that's that's very important. I think people get on this big bandwagon of, you know, discrimination and again that victim mentality. And you know, if you if you do the victim mentality thing, it's that's a that's a dangerous place to be. So just to um you know, be accepting, you know, not that you have to agree. And I tell you, I have had people come at me hard for um, being supportive of even conservative people because they thought I was against them because they had a different lifestyle. And I said, are you kidding? Have I ever shown you that I didn't respect you or care about you? And, and it, it's just usually talking through that because people think that you're going to badmouth them. And I've never badmouthed. I think that's dangerous. And that I don't believe that way. I don't believe that, you know, God didn't make me that way, I tell you. But it's it's um, it's important to show the love and um, still respect for what, you know, people are doing in a different lifestyle, and you don't have to agree with what they're doing. Um, I don't believe that, you know, I I would never go that way and don't believe in it, but it's, I'm not going to condemn you. It's just not my, my way of communicating. So I, I, I do want to make a special announcement. Debbie Lascal has won the special election for Congress in wow. the uh, Arizona in the Arizona district. So this is very big for the Republican Party for the U.S. Congress. So we keep we keep a seat. This is excellent. Um, we kept the seat, um, which is which is really which is really big. Uh, I wanted to announce that, and I wanted to also announce it was breaking news that Trump is ordered by a judge that he must accept new DACA applicants. (laughs) Unbelievable. It's an unconstitutional DACA uh, is unconstitutional and it was uh, done by Barack Obama and Trump ended the program, okay? And now you have a federal judge coming in saying, no, 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 no. Not only can't you end the program, but now you have to um, allow more illegal aliens into the program. That is, that is tyranny. He's the president of the United States. He's not the doing anything wrong. That's an illegal law. It's an illegal, illegal action that Obama did. And I understand, you know, then, then all the liberals come out, oh, but they're kids. They're not kids. The average age of a DACA recipient is 26 years old, okay? They're not all angels either. Many have been arrested for drugs and human smuggling, and I'm not saying they're all bad. I understand. I'm just saying right. a federal judge does not have the – Authority. I mean, this is this is insane. This is an unconstitutional law that Obama allowed. Trump ended it, well, and now a federal judge turns around well, and say, "No, no, no! Not only can't you end it, but you have to allow more illegal aliens into the program." No, no, no! This is well, absurdity. Yeah. These judges are out Glory. of control. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, yeah. Gianni. I was gonna say. I was gonna say, and then I saw uh, another update where not, that that is true. What you just said is true, but the judge, the judge, 
orders reopening of DACA, but they're giving the Trump administration 90 days to make his case. Days. Yeah, I know. So I hope that somehow, you know, the judges will see through it, you know. You know, just hope, wishful thinking, but, you know, it's better than nothing, right? No, no, I understand. Yes, it's just every time this president does something, you either have the Ninth Circuit Court of liberal judges or leftist judges in the federal courts, just everything he does. The refugee uh, ban, uh, everything, anything it, with immigration, it, they turn it over. It is absolute insanity. It's terrible. Yeah. Hey, Deborah, are so you much. still there? Yes, I am here. I'm just listening. So. Okay, we have we have about three minutes left in the show. I okay, um, I just, Deborah, I really. I want to close out by really thanking you for coming on. I want to have you back on as well very soon. Um, you know, it was, uh, it was amazing having you on. So much we discussed, so much we addressed. I mean, your story is unbelievable. What a life you've lived. Thanks for sharing all your insight. It's greatly appreciated. Well, it's been fun, uh, really fun for me. And if anyone wants to contact me, they can get me um... – through my yeah, main yeah. If you want to announce anything, go ahead. Announce whatever you want, all your businesses, all your contact info, go ahead. I'd well, love I'm just for you to do that. One, I'm going to give them one website, which is Goals for Your Life. It's all connected, goalsforyourlife.com. And you can uh, contact me there. You can get to all my music stuff there because I have a separate – I've got a bunch of different websites. But – but for there, they can uh, sign up for my newsletter to get on that, a weekly newsletter. Um, there will be a place, you know, they can contact me. Uh, please don't spam me. <laughs> so I get enough emails that are just – but if you're honestly interested in uh, being able to, you know, keep the conversation going, I'm, I'm happy to put you on a newsletter list uh, that come out. I, I call them e-articles every week that come out, small articles, um, and then keep up with other things that I'm doing. So, yeah, that's, that's probably the best thing. I've got a number of books, and you can always look those up, but it will at least give you some of my main information. Excellent. And – um, what, what, by the way, do you, uh, oh, I was just going to ask you something real quick. Do you have Twitter? I do. I do. Uh, um, and my, uh, Twitter account, uh, I guess I should go to my main account so I can give you that. Um, it's at. We're F- running. We're about a minute left. We may have to go, but people can look up your first and last name. They sure can. At Deb Johnson Works. Yeah, at Johnson Works. Okay, we got it. At Deb Deb Johnson Works. That's it. Right. Perfect. Thank you so so much, Deborah, for coming on. We highly appreciate it. And uh, we'd love to have you back on soon if you'll come back on. We love you. Oh, thank you. You guys were delightful. Thank you uh, because you asked some great questions and, and really gave me a lot to talk about. So I appreciate that. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. What it was it was delightful and a pleasure and uh we'll be uh, thank you for coming on and we'll talk to you soon. Great. Thanks again. Have a good night. All, All right. right. You bye too. Bye. Cheers. Have All a good right. night. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. All righty, guys. I want to thank you all 
for tuning in to the Rory Sodder Show. We want to thank our special guest, Deborah Johnson. We want to thank all our listeners. And uh, the, the, the base keeps growing for the show, so we keep getting more and more listeners. And, uh, you know, thank you for that. I appreciate that. Uh, please visit my website, the thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. Again, that's the thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. You can find all your merchandise and apparel and creative Trump gear uh, there. And also visit makingchristianitygreatagain.com. Again, that's makingchristianitygreatagain.com. It's all religious-oriented Trump merchandise and apparel that you'll all love. Um, We will be back with you tomorrow night. We'll be having a huge show, another big special guest, and uh, that works with national security and cybersecurity, so we can't wait to talk to him, uh, be with him tomorrow. Uh, I hope you all have a great night. Um, Thank you all for tuning in to the Rory Sauter Show. I appreciate you all. Much love. Cheers, everybody.